Audi is launching its all-electric e-tron range in South Africa in the first quarter of 2022. Join us in celebrating the many possibilities of progress with our Future is an Attitude podcast series. I think we can aim higher than Silicon Valley. <laughs> we need to ensure that whatever we're doing meets our needs and, and our objectives. Tech entrepreneur Rapelang Rabana isn't excited about South Africa's potential to be the world's next Silicon Valley. Oh no, she thinks we can do way better than that. Not a valley, but a savanna. A savanna on which robots zip around delivering medicines, small-scale farmers sell direct to overseas giants, and the mobile phone is your portal to the world. A continent that discovers uniquely African solutions to uniquely African problems, driving a new kind of global digital innovation. Rapelang thinks we can, without a doubt, change the world. I don't think that a lot of the stuff that comes out of Silicon Valley is necessarily impactful. And when we look at the fact that we've got a real huge size of underserved markets in everything from food to healthcare to clothing, there are much more substantial problems that we can focus our attention on. We can actually do stuff that fundamentally changes the life trajectory of millions and billions of people by how we apply technology. I'm Zania Mosaka, and this is Future is an Attitude, a new podcast series from Audi about how design, performance, sustainability, and the digital world can intersect to help us shape the future we want and need. These principles are not only close to my heart, they're also fundamental to a world in which we can all thrive. We're featuring South Africans who think differently about the future, who challenge the status quo, and who are redefining progress. South Africans who can help us imagine and shape a better tomorrow. Rapelang Rabana is a tech entrepreneur, a startup founder, and a trailblazing innovator. She's been honored with titles including Young Global Leader and Entrepreneur of the World. She's been on Oprah Magazine's O Power Influential List and featured on Forbes's 30 Under 30 Roundup of the Top Young Entrepreneurs in Africa. And she thinks Africa's got what it takes to leapfrog our way into a better future. We could actually build better businesses also because they're not entirely funded on, on debt and equity without ever making money, you know, for seven or 10 years. And there's, there's something to speak of when you're building businesses that are efficient and sustainable and profitable much earlier in the process. I think that takes a much higher level of skill and ability. I think they are much more amazing entrepreneurs here who may not get a business as a huge valuation as Silicon Valley, but the ability to acquire the customers that they did get to create the solutions that they do have in the resource constraints that they have. For me, they are incredibly remarkable and far more talented people. We're at a pivotal point in history globally, one in which we're likely to see as much progress in the next 15 years as we have in the last 150. Every week, millions of people are coming online for the very first time. And the mobile revolution in Africa is unfolding in front of us. 
better connectivity, cheaper data, more affordable devices. It all adds up to nearly half a billion people on the continent now using and subscribing to some kind of mobile device. And that number is set to increase exponentially. We certainly want to be the producers and leaders of our own uh, fourth industrial revolution. There's, there's no doubt. I think that starts with the basics. We've got to get more internet connectivity out there at a more affordable rate. I think devices are coming in at the right price now, but we've seen with COVID-19 and people having to stay at home that our internet capacity, especially in schools and less urban areas, has really not been sufficient. So without empowering everybody to have a mobile phone that can be online generally or all the time, we're not enabling people to become participants of this digital economy. So there's still a bit of hard work ahead of us before we can start talking about the real potential of robotics, artificial intelligence, automation, and how they can improve more areas of our lives. Rappelang thinks that first, we need to get everyone connected all the time. Once we sorted out that sort of infrastructure bit, next important piece is that for a long time, at least in my experience, innovations and apps have been interesting and cute to policymakers and big decision makers. Um, and they want to go for a showcase and they look at it and it's all lovely and everybody applauds, but then it's back to business, back to our real problems. Now we leave the innovation stuff aside and we need to crucially shift our mindsets to appreciate that the technology is the core of the solution now. When African technology takes center stage, things become more transformative. We start building services and products that solve our needs and that work for us. We start driving a new kind of technological innovation. And all we need is a mobile phone and a connection. Futurist Graham Codrington has similar views on our prospects as a country and where we are headed as a species. And as far as he's concerned, there's no better place to be than here in South Africa to explore the intersection of the past and the future. We have an opportunity to do something other countries don't have the capacity to do. We are a first and third world country at the same time. We are developed and underdeveloped at the same time. We are a multi-party country and a one-party state at the same time. And we've got multiple cultures and multiple religions. And well, where else would you want to be in the world to try and come up with the future, to try and work out what happens next? And if we get it right, history will look back and say South Africa worked it out first and everybody else copied them. Big data, connectivity and new technologies are reinventing the way we do everything, from shopping to various forms of mobility. We're already seeing electric motorbikes and three-wheelers whizzing around across the continent. Electric fishing boats are gliding across Lake Victoria, while more fully electric vehicles will be available in South Africa in the coming months. Entire businesses are being built around these new trends. Companies that are installing ultra-fast public charging stations, startups that are offering greener inner-city public transport options, and organizations that are using alternative forms of energy to power our digitalized lifestyles. One of the sectors in which South African innovations are shaking things up in a big way 
is financial technology or fintech. Lately, Rappelang's been working with one of South Africa's big success stories. You've probably already used one of Yoko's products and thought to yourself, huh? That's cool. Their most famous one is this little plastic mobile device called a Yoko Go that processes card payments without the need for a bulky card machine. And they've really done an incredible job opening the market of um, card-paying customers to smaller businesses, freelancers, hairdressers, who can now get a little Yoko machine connected to their phone and actually accept card payments. We didn't really appreciate just how many businesses couldn't access the market of card-paying customers without these devices that were previously very expensive. You needed some crazy track record at the bank to qualify for one of those terminals. And that really changed the game. And that's the kind of thing that fintech can do for us. It can open up new opportunities, new markets and new possibilities. Another sector that's already been turned on its head by mobile technology is agriculture. Agritech is changing the way farmers grow their crops, rear their herds and manage their land. It's a more digitalized and modern approach to farming. Everything from an app that connects small-scale farmers to nearby tractor owners, an Uber of tractors, if you will, to online grocery markets that allow them to sell their produce directly to the public. Rappelang's been working with the startup in Ghana called Complete Farmer that she insists is changing the game. They've done an amazing job connecting farmers with um, export markets in the US and Europe. So the big thing that they did is they go and assess potential farmers physically and then also give them, you know, tools on their mobile apps that allow them to not just, you know, track the weather, but also to be able to understand the soil quality, what they should be planting, when a demand for a certain crop is going to be required by X client in Europe, how they can track the activity on their farms deal with pests or any other diseases. And all of this through satellite imagery, mobile applications that ultimately get these smallholder farmers earning significantly more income through their crops. And if African-based farmers can get the market going rate for their crops and support the communities around them, we can start to tackle macroeconomic challenges like poverty and food security. We can start to close the gap. Is the future a distant reality or something we shape with the progress we make today? Over a hundred years ago, Audi was founded on a vision of constant progress. In 2022, we accelerate this journey with the new Audi e-tron range, a collection of progressive, all-electric vehicles designed to usher in a new era of mobility. Let's shape tomorrow's world together. The Future is an Attitude podcast series, proudly brought to you by Audi. Read more at 702.co.za. Big data isn't only making us wealthier or wiser, it's making us healthier too. In Uganda, a team of engineers have invented a smart jacket that can diagnose pneumonia faster than a doctor using sensors and a mobile app. In Rwanda, robots are deployed in hospitals to take infectious patients' temperatures and monitor their symptoms. I'm most excited about the fact that we could get to a point where we can predict strokes or heart attacks or really challenging health issues so that we don't lose people to those things. And we don't appreciate necessarily how much there's still to do in healthcare. 
in this century when people are planning to go to Mars, we, we don't have those things. Imagine you could have a chip or something embedded in you that helps you navigate all of that stuff. Big data helped us to get to the moon. It's going to help us get to Mars too. But it can also help us solve our most pressing problems here on Earth, especially if we take a bit of inspiration from nature. I always put myself in a situation and say, which organism has solved this problem that I'm trying to solve? Gameli Sesibanda is a certified biomimicry professional, one of only four on the African continent. He spends his days thinking about how we can use the genius of nature, how we can mimic it to solve our very human problems. We supposedly, as a Homo sapiens, have been around, say, what, 200,000 years. So we're so young. It is therefore in our own interest not to duplicate all the mistakes that other organisms have been making over the past 3.8 billion years. Essentially, nature has been running a research and development laboratory. And therefore, we just go there and harvest the research findings that they did and then put them into application. And there goes our sustainable solutions. As far as Gamelis is concerned, there isn't a single human problem that hasn't already been solved in nature in some way. And he sees enormous potential in us leveraging the power of biomimicry, artificial intelligence, digitalization and big data to begin to address some of the most pressing issues of our times. For instance, we have a lot of fires in South Africa. We could have sensors out there in the bush. And this is where biomimicry comes in. You have a fire beetle, for instance, whenever there is a fire in the forest, it will detect the fire. I will not go into the details of the mechanics, how it does it, but there's some radiation that comes from the fire that it can pick up at a distance. And then it will rush to where the fire is happening. And why is it going there? Because there is a free bry happening. The insects are being bent by the fire. So the beetle gets there and gets a perfect, well-cooked snack without putting effort. So if you understand how this beetle then picks up the signal that there is a, a, a fire, it could be infraradiation, there is a fire happening. And then we put out these biomimicry-inspired sensors in the bush in strategic locations. The moment there is a fire in the bush, a signal is sent maybe to, to the firefighters. Or maybe we could even have certain autoresponder equipment in the forest that begins to mitigate the forest fires so that we don't get this damage that we have seen in places like Cape Town. So, we can see that there are a myriad of ways in which technology, innovation, and even nature can help and already are supporting us. But what do we need to do? How do we need to think to survive in this new digital world? Trends analyst Dion Chang, who monitors today's developments and tries to understand what's coming, thinks the most important thing is for us all is to learn how to learn. Now it's no longer what you know, but what questions you ask is more important. So are you asking the right questions rather than saying, this is what I know and, and, and this is my experience, um, because all of that has been upended and it's a, it's a very, very different world uh, we, we're going into. Computers are going to do a lot of heavy lifting for us in the future. But Rapalang agrees that our very human habits of critical thinking and creativity are still just as significant. 
We're going to need an excellent ability to be able to filter and prioritize what is important, what is accurate, what is relevant to whatever the objectives our organizations are trying to, to tackle. And that's where critical thinking is going to become huge. Basically figuring out what is the right thing to do as opposed to just doing the task right, which is kind of what you were taught at school. Now it's figuring out what the task is. And she believes that digital technology, things like machine learning and virtual reality, can be used to equip us to fare better in the world of the future. If we can build up data around students, for instance, before they start working, computers could assess their potential in ways we currently can't. That means in future, a person's career choices won't be influenced only by which school or university they had access to or who they know in the industry. These traditional uh, signals of success, these traditional markers of who's good and who's bad were really just created because we didn't have the data to, to know more. And now we can actually know more. In a world of big data, the institution you attended or the results you achieved wouldn't be the only factor that employers would have to consider. And by looking at a broader range of data that we can collect about individuals over a longer period of time, we're actually in a much better position to speak about that talent and to position them for the organizations where they will be happiest and where they will get the most value. And for me, that's amazing that we will be able to use data to democratize access to opportunities and overcome the fact that these traditional networks or these traditional signals of success. Rapelang's learning and development company, Rekindle Learning, was started with the aim to help people gain knowledge faster. Learning well is the one thing that she believes can help us leapfrog our way into the future. I think education and skills for me is one of those things that Africa has to solve better than any other continent if we're really going to reap the benefits of our demographic dividend. If we're going to meet the demands of the future, we're going to need a digital savvy workforce, constant innovation and a relentless spirit of entrepreneurship we're going to need people and organizations that can easily assimilate new information and apply it to what Rappelang calls first-of-a-kind scenarios. For Dion, different ways of learning and thinking are going to become more and more crucial as the world changes around us. I really honestly believe that, that a lot of the, the concepts, the systems that we, we are using have run their course and many are, are hurtling towards being obsolete and yet we still hang on to them. Um, and I think we need to, to, to embrace new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things and new systems. And that's really what's going to save us as a, as a human race. New ways of thinking, new ways of doing things. That's what the digital revolution offers us and what it demands of us. The real promise of digitalization lies in its ability to augment and transform how we live our lives. Graham believes we've got to make sure our systems work for us. And to do that, we have to understand what they're doing and how. We have that choice. And it comes down to the systems we create and the transparency we put into the system. That, for me, would be part of the trick, is to make sure that everything's transparent. And that's the path I'm seeing we're taking. And once we've got that transparency in the system, we can switch off the bad things and amplify the good things. And that means a digital connected world that works for our future.
Rapelang thinks that the fourth industrial revolution has the potential to give us exactly that, a world filled with progress. Progress means for me a better quality of life for the Africans on this continent, such that people are not living in poverty and people are in a position to self-actualize because they have the opportunity to learn and grow and figure out who they want to be and what contribution they make. An opportunity, in other words, to live an improved life and to succeed together, to progress further together. That for me is the greatest gift that we can give people. The future is an attitude, the way we imagine and embrace it, the way we shape it with our thinking and our actions, and the way we infuse it with our hopes and our dreams. The attitudes we adopt today are laying the foundations of our tomorrow. Still to come on Future is an Attitude, we look at how designers stand in the future and help us imagine a better world. We take a tour of the cities of the future, where luxury and sustainability coexist, and we explore the magic that can happen when design, creativity, and technology intersect. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more episodes and do us a favor, tell a friend about it too. Because after all, we're building our future together. Is the future a distant reality or something we shape with the progress we make today? Over a hundred years ago, Audi was founded on a vision of constant progress. In 2022, we accelerate this journey with the new Audi e-tron range, a collection of progressive, all-electric vehicles designed to usher in a new era of mobility. Let's shape tomorrow's world together. The Future is an Attitude podcast series, proudly brought to you by Audi. Read more at 702.co.za.